0: Gentlemen, welcome back to my podcast I appreciate everybody out there that's been listening um, that's, everybody that's, that's everybody that subscribed If you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe at iTunes, Google Play Also you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Demetrius Collins on YouTube If you like what I'm doing over here, please talk about it to your friends and family Put them on, share it, help your boy grow Grow and prosper, you know, appreciate it yeah man we got a good show though today because the nba playoff hunt is in full swing and it is my personal belief that the lakers are gonna make the playoffs and i'm resolute in that belief no matter even though they lost what two games this week um one to memphis which was just a very bad loss they had chance they had a chance at the end of the day to win the game but they just didn't and then uh, they lost to New Orleans. And that was another bad loss. But they ended up beating New Orleans last night. And what, but, but going back to the Memphis game, I do want to say one positive that I did take from the Memphis game was that they were trying. And you can see the young boys, Brandon Ingram, who I think is cold. Everybody say he's inconsistent. I don't know. I'm not a, I am not ai haven't been watching the Lakers my whole life. I, like I said, I'm a Suns fan. But since my sons are in the uh, dungeons of the hip-hop, I mean hip-hop, in the dungeons of the NBA, I think that's freed me up to root for any team I want to And I have been doing that for years So I'm rooting for the Lakers now Yes, I'm a Laker bandwagon i proud of it Not going to be shame of it Because my boy King James is there But but I'm digressing I'm doing a tangent the, the, the effort that I saw in the Memphis game Was something that I think you can win with going forward That's my opinion uh, They looked like down the stretch They understood the gravity of the situation They locked in defensively And even from the opening tap um, last night they were locked in defensively from what I could see LeBron was in attack mode uh he had 33 Rondo had 16 assists Ingram had 23 on 8 of 14 shooting Kuzma had 22 on 9 of 15 shooting so my point is LeBron and I thought this from when LeBron went there they had the players now are they gonna win a title probably not but they don't need to they don't need to trade the farm to get Anthony Davis this offseason um because I mean adding Anthony Davis But if they can somehow keep Maybe they have, they'll get rid of Brandon Ingram To get Anthony Davis I guess that's not a bad upgrade But if somehow you could keep Kuzma Rondo Add Anthony Davis If you could somehow keep Ingram too Get rid of Lonzo And some other pieces I don't know But I like what they have here in LA And they just need to learn How to win together They need to learn how to play together They need to learn how to win And that's a process in this in the NBA Especially for young players Because it's not easy Everybody in the NBA is you know selected out for height and talent and speed and jumping ability so everybody in the nba has the ability to play um so the lakers at this moment are one game behind sacramento who is actually on a two-game losing streak they sit at uh 31 and 30 and the lakers are 30 and 31 so they're neck and neck and they're gonna be battling it out for the eighth spot which I think, I still believe that the Lakers are going to get there. Because at the end of the day, LeBron James is still the greatest player. You can listen to Stephen A. Smith talk. And Stephen A. is going to talk. He's going to be provocative because that's how he made his money. But at the end of the day, LeBron James is still the best player. He's coming off a groin injury. He has a young, young squad of dudes that are used to losing. And not only is he trying to teach them to win, he's trying to inject a winning culture into them. And so the trade deadline I think will prove that the whole trade deadline experience I think will prove to be a good experience for these dudes Because they understand the cutthroat uh, mentality of the league now They understand the cutthroat mentality of the world now If they didn't before And now they know they need to go for theirs On every night Get your shots from your spot Be productive Help your team win Lock in on defense And let's go And that way you'll prove that you'll have value In the league And LeBron won't try to trade you Or anybody else won't try to trade you so I'm proud of what I saw from the Lakers last night. I know that's one win, you know, but there's more to come. They got the Bucks on Friday. That's going to be a very, 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 very tough game. I'm not going to lie. The Greek freak is looking like the MVP. Michael Brogdon is the only 50-40-90 player in the league, which is surprising to me because I don't know. I figured KD would be a 50-40-90 guy. I figured Steph would be a 50-40-90 guy. I figured, uh, who else? Maybe even Clay, but I figured there would be more 50-40-90 guys. In the NBA I didn't know that Michael Brogdon was the only one Not to mention they got Like I said the Greek freak They got Middleton Middleton's cold He's a solid player They got Miritich So The Bucks are gonna be reckoned with And this is gonna be a good test For the young Lakers Because if they Can pull this one Pull this game out Which I, for, I actually believe they can I think they can They have the ability They got the players on the roster They have the right combination between Veteran and young players to do it it's all about their mentality. If they come out and they get punched in the mouth early on Friday night, it's going to be interesting to see if they wither or if they, you know, stay the course and continue to plug away because they're going to get tested because Milwaukee's not a joke. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'll be live on the radio Friday on my radio show, The Kickback, that airs on 90 WAM 90.5 the flavor station from 10 to 1 a.m i probably will be live commenting on that game so if you have nothing else better to do before you hit the clubs or before you go out on your nice little dinner date lock into your boy right there i got whatever you need it's called the kickback anyway moving on since i talked about the east perfect segue into the east the celtics are on a two-game losing streak they got demolished by toronto and i haven't i haven't been watching because a lot of times i don't pay attention to the first half of the nba because the nfl is obviously in playoff mode and so I really don't really get into the NBA Until after the All-Star break So I didn't get a chance to see Toronto play And Toronto looks good Toronto looks good I've seen Toronto play twice now And they look good now They got Kyrie I mean Kyrie, Kawhi And uh, they put the beat down on the Celtics the other night I think that was Monday And beat them by like 26 points <laughs> And Kyrie said that the Cel- No, he can't see anybody beating the Celtics In a seven-game series Because they have him And I mean that's cool to say and all But it's not translating In wins and losses The most important stat And I understand that's regular season And we got playoffs But the East is competitive man You got the Bucks at the top You got Toronto You got Indiana Which I'm like yo Where did Indiana come from? And then you have Boston who's struggling They say on court because they can't find their chemistry that's what, the, that's what all the word is in the sport In the NBA community is that They can't find their chemistry on the court With Kyrie, and Kyrie is a very ball-dominant player And with a player like LeBron When you're playing opposite of LeBron James That can work because LeBron Even though he's ball-dominant LeBron fa- facilitates an offense So when he, gives, when he used to give Kyrie the ball When he was in Cleveland Kyrie could do whatever he wanted He could boogie, dribble the clock out And take a shot Because if Kyrie goes, you know, misses three shots in a row or whatever, LeBron has the cachet and the uh, resume to take the ball out of Kyrie's hands for like maybe the next five possessions and go ahead, get the offense flowing again so that they don't, you know, lose too much distance in the game or they don't go on too much of a scoring job. But in Boston, all these guys are younger and the friction is they don't have the cachet of a Kyrie, a perennial all-star NBA champion, um, you know, hit the big shot in game seven against the Warriors. So they kind of have to defer to him just by human nature because, you know, he's the big guy in the locker room. But at the end of the day, he's messing up the chemistry. And and it shows, it shows. They lost last night again to the um, Portland Trailblazers, who I don't understand Portland, man. They have a lot of talent. They have shooting. They have size. They have versatility. And I don't understand why they're not more of a threat. And before I continue on my Boston Celtics stuff, I want to say, man, the perfect guy to play alongside LeBron, and nobody's ever said this, is Damian Lillard. I don't know why LeBron's not recruiting Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard's up there in the Pacific Northwest just wasting his talent away, in my opinion, because Portland's never going to do anything. Maybe that's a bit of hyperbole for me, but I don't care. But I digress on that point. Back to Kyrie. Kyrie had 31 last night, 14-24 shooting. So, you know, he did his thing, but it didn't translate to a dub. And as we move closer and closer to the playoffs, I'm hoping that Boston finds their chemistry hopefully everybody can settle into their roles Jalen Brown Jason Tatum because these guys played bigger roles last year and they had more freedom within the offense last year and like I said playing alongside Kyrie who's a very ball dominant likes to dribble the ball a lot to do, to get into his uh, and to, to get into what he does he kind of stifles everybody around him and like I said if you don't have a facilitator opposite him because he's not a natural facilitator it's going, to make him, it's going to make the offense and the team... It's going to make the guys playing with him... It's going to make playing with him very difficult. Not difficult in the sense that he's a selfish player... But difficult in the sense that they need to get into a rhythm. They need to get their shots up. They need to be confident moving without the ball... And believing that they're going to get passes and things of that nature. So... You know... It's going to be, Kyrie going to have to figure out how to do it, man. Like he moved away from LeBron because... You know, he wanted to be all about basketball and not about anything else. And he sees when you're the head guy of a team... It's not LeBron that didn't make it about basketball It was the media that didn't make it about basketball It was the narrative of the season That the media was trying to create So Kyrie's saying it's the same thing In Boston dude Like People are going to keep asking you questions You're going to keep having the stories float around your locker room And that's why he did apologize Big on him, very grown man move on him but yeah, man, going forward, man, I'd like to see Kyrie uh, facilitate a little bit more and pick his spots a lot better. Now, what do I know, right? But that's just what I, when I watch the game, that's what I would like to see from Kyrie because Kyrie could get to the basket at will. He can finish at will. He's a competent shooter. I would like him to see, I would like to see him fall back into the game, let his teammates carry him for a while and then, you know, pick and get, pick, pick his spots more cleverly in the game instead of you know try to you know dribble the ball out of it and dominate the ball a lot but that's just what I see another player who does that dominates the ball a lot to the detriment of his team and it may not seem that way but it is it's James Harden now the Rockets been winning lately they beat the Golden State Warriors on Saturday and I want to say this I have a friend of mine my boy Jazz he always tells me don't believe in uh, D'Antoni which I'm, I will admit I don't believe in D'Antoni as a Suns fan I can go back down that road we had the pieces to win D'Antoni didn't want to play any defense and the rest is history but D'Antoni has changed he he wants to play defense and his teammates his team uh, the Houston Rockets team that he has now they play defense so I would say this is his best shot to win the NBA title even more so than the Suns teams that he had back in the mid 2000s with Steve Nash and uh, Amari Sotomayor and Sean Marion the, the golden days for me But the problem, I'm not going to say the problem. I don't see a problem, honestly. The thing that makes me the most optimistic about the Rockets is that they're not scared of Golden State. And that's a big thing. When Buster Douglas fought Mike Tyson, when a lot of people fought Mike Tyson back in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, early 90s, they were scared of him. so They were defeated before they even got in the ring. But Buster Douglas said when he got knocked out, when he got knocked down by Mike Tyson in that fight that they had in the Tokyo Dome, he said, he realized that like, yo, it wasn't so bad. Like, it wasn't, like, it didn't hurt as bad as he thought he did. So his confidence went through the roof, and he was able to beat Mike Tyson. Now, okay, we understand Mike Tyson was doing drugs and not training, but the point remains that once in your mind the fear is gone, your, your potential is Im- limitless. So... Uh, 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 relaying that back to the Rockets When you watch the Rockets play Golden State They are not afraid And I think that has a lot to do With the presence of Chris Paul And I've said this last year And I'm going to say this again If If Chris Paul That's a big if Because he has not shown in his history to stay healthy If Chris Paul Can stay healthy Throughout the playoffs The Rockets have a good chance Of beating Golden State because they don't fear them. They play like dogs. Like they don't, they, they 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 get real physical with them, they D them up. And as much as you can D up a team like like Golden State, right? Because I mean they got shooters, they they uh play as a team, they use screens and they set picks and screens for each other, they get open shots. So I mean, as much as you they're a good team. I'm not trying to denigrate Golden State, but what I'm saying is Houston is not afraid at all. I think that has a lot to do with Chris Paul and his heart. Chris Paul is what, six one? We've all seen Chris Paul guard Kevin Durant Push Kevin Durant away from the basket Seven foot tall Kevin Durant And this was back in his OKC days But still it happened And that's a testimony to what Chris Paul is as a player He's a scrappy, dirty Yes, he's a dirty player But he's a feisty player who's going to ball up And I think It is my belief Watching Houston Looking how they play Looking at the composition of their team That if anybody can beat Golden State. And I'm stre- speaking strictly about Golden State because we know Houston could end up losing to the Utah Jazz or used to lose to OKC, and that's and I and I'm not ruling that out. I'm speaking strictly about them playing Golden State. Yo, man, Golden State is in for it because Houston is not afraid. Houston took them to seven games last year without Chris Paul getting hurt. It is my belief, and I think I'm right, that they would have beat them. They would have beat Golden State because they were better last year. They really were. They played defense. They shot, they, and I don't even know if they were. I don't even know if I can say they were better. They just were a better team. I don't even know if because they, they don't have better players, but they were a better team. And I think this year they added Kenneth Farid I didn't know they had Kenneth Farid I need to pay more attention to NBA free agency. I didn't realize that they added uh, Kenneth Fareed. So that's huge because on the boards, him and Clint, Clint Capella on the boards, that gives them a bit of versatility when switching pick and roll. I mean, at the end of the day, Kevin Durant and Steph and Clay are still going to get theirs, but. The Houston Rockets have the talent and the players to match Golden State's offensive output. And also, they have the mentality, because they're led by a player like Chris Paul, that they're going to scrap, get dirty, and bang for what they got to do. And when, you watch, when I watched that game Saturday, I can see in the way they were playing, they did not fear Golden State. Like, it was no fear in their hearts. And that's a big thing. Like, I, I don't know. Everybody like, oh, they got KD. Yo, man, KD a human. And KD can have bad shooting nights, too. And KD's lost in the playoffs, too, to teams that we believe he should have beat. Let's be honest. That Golden State team that they were up 3-1 against before he hopped to Golden State. We believe KD and them should have put that down. So we need to stop acting like these boys can't be beat. Even, even the combination of the team that they have now can be beat. I believe Golden State can be beat. And I think if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Houston. I, and on the Eastern Conference side, I thought it would be Boston. But um, I don't know about Boston anymore. I think Boston has the depth. I think Boston had the type of mentality last year to do it because they passed the ball. They they, they moved without the ball and everybody, um, the ball moved around the court and guys got good shots. But with Kyrie, I don't know that. I don't know. But getting back to Houston, the only impediment I see to Houston... And if you look at it last night, and, and, and Houston did win last night. They won 118 113. They beat Charlotte. Um, James Harden had 30 points on 10 of 29 shooting, due to due to 30 shots to get 30 points. Now he was 9 9 from the free throw. He's 111 from three. Um, but the key stat here, he was negative 14 on the court. His team, he's all ISO, and that's a problem. But that's why I say Chris Paul comes into play because Chris. That's why I always say anytime I'm talking about Houston winning anything. It's going to be because of Chris Paul, not because of James Harden. But yeah, James Harden was negative 14 last night. Um, And these are the things that in the playoffs will hurt Houston. Because you can't, James Harden can't, he has, once again, James Harden has to do a better job in the playoffs, I said something similar to Kyrie, and the, and somewhat they're kind of similar players. I probably think James Harden's a lot more ball dominant. Probably scores his, his points on a lot more ISO than Kyrie, but James Harden is going to have to find a way to not slow down or hamper or kneecap the Houston Rockets because the Houston Rock, the Houston Rockets are a thorough a thoroughbred horse. Let out the stables, man. If you let them, if you let Chris Paul run the maestro. If you let him control the tempo of the game and get the te- and facilitate his teammates, Chris Paul will get his team, will get P.J. Tucker and uh, Austin Rivers and all those other guys, Gerald, uh, uh, Gerald Green. He'll get those guys good shots, shots that they're capable of making. He's, he'll, like I said, he'll he'll up amp the defensive intensity. The main impediment to their success, if there's an impediment to this, their success, will be James Harden, his ball-dominant, inefficient, ISO style I don't care about Effective shooting percentage Because a two is more than three So You know When you, sh- when you If you shoot more threes No because James Harden Is not that great of a Three point shooter either And that might sound like blasphemy to some of y'all But he's really not He's really not He just takes a lot of shots And he makes some shots Because he shoots so much Like I said last night He was He had 30 But he was 10 Of 29 From the field One of 11 from three I, come on, man. Come on, man. Chris Paul was plus 17. He had 17 points, 10 assists. So that further, that's further evidence of what I'm trying to say about the Houston Rockets. Is that, yes, you could do the eye test. You could just watch them. And you can surmise, based off what you watch, what they could be. But what I'm saying is, the stats bear it out, too. They are a better team. A championship-level team. When they had, when Chris Paul is controlling... The offense Now people might And some of you might be saying Well they, they're not Top of the NBA or Whatever the case may be I think they're number 3 now In the East Or they're close to it No they're not uh, OKC's number 3 in the West I'm sorry I said number 3 in the East OKC's number 3 in the East But the Rockets are climbing up The thing about the Rockets Is they've been hurt Chris Paul missed games As he does Which is I think that's If, if anything hampers them It's going to be that Or maybe uh, a bad matchup With another team But Chris Paul's been hurt James Harden was hurt But now They're getting healthy We're heading into March They're getting healthy now this all this is about now is finding your rotations. Getting set for that playoff run because now right, that's all right now is about. Right now it's not even so much about winning for for Houston unless they go on a on a crazy losing streak which we, we I mean forsaking a catastrophic injury it's not going to happen. But yeah, um I have I've yet to pick a team that I think is going to win the NBA title uh not yet. I'm still watching. I'm still watching I'm still observing I'm still collecting data On how the teams play How uh, team chemistry And things like that It's going to be good To see the Bucks this Friday I'm really excited to see that Because I'm liking Greek Freak I'm liking what he's doing I'm his MVP level I'm hoping that he wins MVP this year Uh, I like what the Bucks have had I just wish Jason Kidd Was still their coach But eh Neither here nor there What else we got going on That's it That's it for the sports topics Now I want to get On start transitioning on to politics because once again I'm going to keep beating this drum Until uh, election day is passed So if you're going to be Tuning into my podcast Just know that Maybe not every single episode But on most episodes There, there will be Political news There will be political commentary Because being that um, We're black in America I feel like Elections and political season Is a very polarizing time for us You got a lot of people telling us What to do What not to do Vote Don't vote Vote for this candidate Vote for that candidate And so Um, I want to take out time to basically in my attempt to try to talk to my people about voting and whether they should vote or not. Now, my stance is to be very clear. Black people, we should not vote in national elections from a historical perspective. We've never gotten anything from a president or Congress. We have an entire black caucus that has done nothing. All they're known for doing is protesting presidents And doing sit-ins on the Senate floor And the House floor Like, yo, they're just mascots And voting is important I'm not going to say it's not But because it's important We need to change our strategy Now, us as a community We are very politically immature Most of us, if we do vote We vote Democrat Because our parents told us to No other reason There's no other critical thought behind it It's just We go to the ballot box Type Uh, hit democrat because you know republicans are racist but that's that vastly underscores the history of the democratic party and the racism in the democratic party so it is my message here to you my listeners if you're black and even if you're not black i mean you're not to do with black because at the end of the day politicians don't do anything for anybody for the most part Donald Trump is a billionaire white dude That white people think they can relate to But you can't Because most white people are not billionaires So I mean let's keep it real about politics in general Politicians are out for power They're out for legacy They're out for To get their name on a school You know they want to get a highway named after them I've said all this before Now One particular politician though Is particular Wait 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 Going back speaking back to black people Um, In order to get a better, better understanding of politics and how the different uh, machinations of deception that are that is used during politics, you have to study and read things about the history of war, of things of that nature. So, I read a book called *The Black Jacobins*, that's about the Haitian Revolution. So, if you haven't read that and you're interested in those type of things, check it out. But one of the things that that stuck out to me was how the, the mulattoes, also known as light-skinned black people, were used against the darker. You know, slaves or free blacks in Haiti. And the, the mulattoes were, you know, they thought they were better because their skin was lighter. They were more accepted by white people. You know, I, I, I could go on and on about that. But the point I'm trying to make is when you look around and you look at Barack Obama, he's a mulatto. I mean, we don't, maybe that might, that might not be a politically correct term, but Barack Obama's mom is white from Kansas. His dad was Kenyan. And he didn't know him and he grew up in middle America. Barack Obama was not us, he was not a descendant of a slave. He's not an American descendant of a slave Barack Obama um, fast forwarding though Kamala Harris same difference her dad is Jamaican but her dad is of like this different caste system in Jamaica very mulatto like um, and in the Caribbean the mulattoes in the Caribbean when you when you when you research this thing they really don't have much respect or deference for darker skinned black people out there and racism was a mug man so you know we shouldn't be surprised by this information but Kamala Harris is of indian descent and jamaican descent which jamaicans are black people but you know she grew up in canada and i'm saying all this to say she does not have a traditional if you could even call our experience traditional black american experience so when they put these barack obamas these kamala harrises these uh other high yellow and i'm not trying to denigrate high yellow people i'm sorry i'm not so if you're light-skinned i'm not trying to talk bad about you but i'm just talking about the political the way that your skin tone and your ancestry and your um you know your history has been used politically against black people, and you've been manipulated too. So uh, they they use these people because they are acceptable to a predominantly white audience, a white country, a white voter base. Because Barack Obama was very acceptable, he even said such things as when he saw uh, older white people when he was going doing his campaign visits that. They reminded me of his grandparents So, And that's not to knock him that's his, her- that's his heritage That's his ancestry I'm not knocking But what I'm saying is We as black people We have this thing Where we see somebody who's black Because we recognize black when we see it And we assume that because you're black Because your dad is an African Or because your dad is a Jamaican That you identify with us You are in the struggle with us And that's not the case So we have to be very, very, very We have to use a critical level of discernment When looking at these politicians Now, Kamala Harris she went to Howard Which I'll say for the record I'm attending a HBCU right now I got homies that have attended And attend HBCUs That has nothing to do With your level of dedication To the black struggle Just because you went to HBCU Doesn't mean anything It's just a college Just because you didn't go to HBCU Doesn't mean you're not dedicated To the black struggle either So that that doesn't matter That she went to HBCU Um You know she she went to HBCU But, but and she, she announced Her candidacy on Martin Luther King Day All in very poor taste Um but recently, black Americans, we have this grassroots movement going where we're trying to get reparations. We're trying to get tangibles. And rightly so, because every other group that's been wronged in the world, not just in America, in the world, has gotten some type of financial compensation for the pain and suffering. And my prof- one of my professors said something very interesting this week, and I want to relay that here on this podcast. He said the sad thing about our programming as black people is when you hear the word Holocaust, the first thing you think about is Nazi Germany and the Jews. And he said, but arguably the worst Holocaust, and I'm not here to do the uh, uh, Oppression Olympics. So please just listen to what I'm saying. The Arguably the worst ho- Holocaust has been the Holocaust against indigenous Native Americans and African people during the slave trade. And so when you speak, and, and, and Holocaust Jews, they got their compensation. um, Japanese people when they were put in internment camps after Japan bombed Pearl Harbor they got their compensation for the businesses that were that were uh taken from them during that time period Native Americans when they were basically genocided off their land they get some type of compensation. now you may say you know they're still in bad off and I wouldn't disagree with you but the point that I'm I'm trying to make is they got compensation. and the problem is when black people we're scared to talk about compensation for ourselves Because we feel like we have to Mask out for gays or immigrants Or transgender people we have, to, we have to fight battles for other people But no we need to fight battles for ourselves We have it like I said I said on my last episode I probably said it on every episode that I've ever recorded We have a very unique history with this company Imagine building Facebook You put in the major work on Facebook and the person, go, Facebook goes off to make However many billions that it's made now And you know, like, yo, I built, I did the computer programming I came up with the infrastructure that is Facebook And then Mark Zuckerberg is like, nah, we're good I don't I don't owe you nothing You know, you're good, man You know, I I, I just basically, you know I gave you a job at Facebook that's, Isn't that not good enough for you? Or whatever is the, the equivalent to what white people feel like We've been compensated, we have it And now we have this movement that's going on Where we want reparations, and rightly so And what the Democratic Party is trying to do now Number one, they're trying to tap dance and, you know, electric slide, to put it like one of my homeboys said, around the issue of reparations. They're trying to change the definition of what reparations is. They're trying to change who reparations would go to, which is very, very deceptive. And I have Latino family, Mexican family out in Arizona. I got Mexican homeboys. And just feel, hear me out when you hear me say this. Yo, man. That was the, pot- the, the girl that's in Congress now, Alexandria escasio Cortez. yeah man she's, she's wrong because she was trying to say um, that Puerto Ricans and Mexicans should be considered in the reparations. listen, if Puerto Ricans and Mexicans want reparations, let them fight for it for themselves. Because at the end of the day when we, when black people speak about reparations, we're speaking for ourselves. We need it for ourselves. Our community has been disadvantaged economically every single step of the way. We were, we were we were the labor force, we were the main property. Black people could be mortgaged Insured Bought, sold bred. Children bought, sold Like I said You would take out loans On your slaves We're investment tools That created a a lot of wealth For a lot of your insurance companies Like Aetna When you do the research Aetna and all these insurance companies They had stakes in slavery They used to be insuring slaves Before they were healthcare insurance companies So it's important to know these things And important to understand That we When we ask for reparations We should not feel ashamed of ourselves And I'm saying all that to say this Kamala Harris was asked about uh, reparations and I just want to play some quick sound um, from her right quick so y'all can hear the deceptive tactics that she used to tap dance around the issue because it's very disrespectful um, and it's very rude for somebody who claims to be of African ancestry even from the Caribbean there was slavery in the Caribbean so she should understand the plight of slaves if that's if that's how she identifies but take a chance I mean take, take a second here listen to this listen to what she is saying hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on. For reparations for black people well
1: listen again we had over 200 years of slavery we had jim crow for almost a, a, a century we had legalized discrimination segregation and now we have it, it, segregation and discrimination that is not legal before. around housing, we have disparities around education, we have disparities around income, and we have to recognize that everybody did not start out on an equal footing in this country and in particular black people have not and so we have got to recognize that and do something about that and give folks a lift up that's why for example I'm proposing a lift act, give people who are making $100,000 or less as a family a tax credit benefit and uplift 60% of black families who are in poverty. i sit here and say, I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole in
0: the country. Right? Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, that's Kamala Harris, who wants to be the next president of the United States. And she's going to want to curry the black vote. She's going to want to, you know, she's going to want to utilize us as a voting block to propel her to the White House. I say no. You heard what she just said. You heard what she just said and, and I don't know if it came very clear on the podcast I hope when I get done and I compress it and edit it uh, You guys will be able to hear it But if you didn't Basically she said that You heard That black people That 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 anything That that she That black She acknowledged the, the history of black people What we've been through Which she doesn't get any kudos for that No politician Not Bernie Sanders Not Julian Castro Not uh, Elizabeth Warren Not Amy Klukach Kabar, whatever her name is, Glukach Kabar, Kalucha Bar, whatever, <laughs> whatever their names are. They don't get any. We should not give them kudos for saying, "Hey, black people, you were slaves. You were Jim Crowed against. Yeah, we used to treat you guys bad. Yeah, we still treat you guys bad. Yeah, we fire you guys first. We hire you guys last. Yeah, we pay you guys less. We don't. know, we don't give you guys credit for acknowledging our struggle, as if we don't live it every day." The second problem I have with what Kamala Harris said in that little two-minute clip was, she said that because she said that that. Because we've been through that That she's going to give a tax break To people that make under $100,000 a year Now, black people We're only 13% of the population If you believe that, and I do We're only 13% of the population Which means there are more people, period In the country who make less than $100,000 Than black people If every black person in the whole country Made less than $100,000 There would still be double to triple to quadruple The amount of people in the country That probably make less than $100,000 Combined, husband and wife. So just because it sounds like, oh yeah, well yeah, you know, hey, you know, um, yeah, I make less than a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that would benefit me. Yes, it would benefit you, but it also would benefit other people who have more than you too. Because just because what you have to understand, what you have to understand is that white people just have more wealth. They get more. They have. They buy. They, it's easier for them to get a home loan, business loan. They have access. They, they get easier access to accesses to capital. So that doesn't. That's not going to fix any. Uh, Economic inequality by saying, "Hey, everybody under hundred thousand dollars, you get a tax cut." That's not no. That's the same thing as Donald Trump saying when he when he did his tax cuts. Hey, I'm going to give major corporations tax cuts, and what they're going to do is they're going to give bonuses to the workers. How did that work out? Anybody seen that bonus money yet? I know I got friends that work at some of these major corporations that got these tax cuts. Did y'all get a tax? Did y'all get any bonuses? It it helped y'all lives yet? Nah, it hasn't because it doesn't. So all that all that general lift act, no the third thing she said that was very deceptive was how she said if it benefits black people it'll benefit the country but yet she came back and said she won't do anything specific for black people she just contradicted herself and she tried to do some quick double talking do not fall for that from anyone not even just her because i know a lot of people be like well she why are we going in on her this and that listen do not fall for for that from any politician not her Not Bernie Sanders Not any of them Bernie Sanders He did some very deceptive stuff too uh, At his town hall this past week Because he was asked Specifically about reparations For slaves Descendants of slaves And he tap danced And then tried to ask a question About like Well what is reparations Man you know what reparations Could be Come on man It's called political entrepreneurship You're, you're running for president You can come up with ideas man So don't try to play dumb They try to play dumb when we come, when we want tangibles, when we want something that we can actually pass down to our children. See, it's okay when everybody else can get access to capital and get access to things to pass down to their children. But when black Americans ask for something, we have to include the Mexican community, the Puerto Rican community, the gay community, the immigrants, whoever else. No, that's done. And if you're a Mexican and you consider yourself a friend of mine If you're gay and you consider yourself a friend of mine Then you need to ride with us If you're white and you consider yourself a friend of mine You need to ride with us on this Because if you understand black history Then you understand that stuff needs to be made right And these politicians are being doing very deceptive, deceptive tactics that I cannot condone. And what Kamala Harris did there was very deceptive and very and very uh disingenuous to say that well whatever's done for black people is going to be good for the country, but then double back and say you're not going to do anything for black people. I'm not going to do something specifically for black people that's going to benefit black people. No. No. Then don't. And guess what? You won't get our vote. Simple as that. Black people, do not first of all I say don't vote in that. Don't vote in national elections. Definitely vote in your local elections I've said that again I probably say that on my next podcast And the next podcast And the next podcast after that Vote in your local elections Because your local elections Is, is when they You know you have your Your subsidies For um, Like your electric bill uh, For your Your housing income tax Your taxable rate for your house Th- Different things There's so much different things County commissioner Sheriff There's a lot of different things That affect you in the immediacy Of your life That you should take part To Regardless of Whether you're black Mexican Gay Straight Doesn't matter Vote Locally, in your city. So you live in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, West Virginia, Texas, California, Oregon, wherever you live at. Make sure that you vote locally. But these national elections, man. If these if these politicians are talking about bringing something to the table, you don't need to give them your vote. Listen, black people. We have a lot of things that we could do in our community. We have economics that we could fix. We can't. The politicians are not going to fix our economics for us. They're telling you they're not. They're telling you they're not. She just said she's not. So it's on us to fix it And that's fine There's examples of other groups That don't vote Asians don't vote They're a small minority They're 4% About 4% We're 13% We don't need to vote We don't need to vote nationally What we need to do Is build ourselves up That's it That's all we need to do And continue on with the subject Of Slick Talkers I was listening to the Um I came across the Breakfast Club interview A friend of mine said it to me He wanted me to listen to Michael Eric Dyson On the Breakfast Club And I did And um, he did a lot of slick talking And double talking too That I think needs to be called to the carpet And I'm going to play a couple of sound clips And I'm hoping they're going to come clear After um, I edit the podcast So that you guys can hear this stuff But yeah, listen, listen, listen to Michael Eric Dyson Listen to some of the things he said I'm going to take it step by step because I want, I want to break down what this man said. Because this was very deceptive too. And I don't have anything against Michael Eric Dyson, but people need to be black. People need to be held accountable for the things that they say and the things that they that they, when they people who double talk need to be held accountable. And Michael Eric Dyson was double talking. Listen to this. It's 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 not only. Is it flawed I think it's it's, it's it's especially flawed Because it borrows From the very logic We want to oppose He's speaking about Cancel culture He's speaking about Hold on hold on Wait a second I want to set the backdrop He's speaking about Cancel culture But then he goes into um, The Governor Northrum situation So yeah Just listen to what he has to say I'm going to let the clip play For a second He speak Yeah you
2: Let you castrate you Remove you Cancel no Argue Put them in a, in, a, in, a, in a moral box and say this is problematic. Let's resist them. But the, but the impulse to cancel, to me, is borrowed from the very people we want to resist. And plus, think about it. If a dude Martin Luther King Jr. was coming, he went to live in Chicago, Illinois, for a few months, right? He was trying to show I'm gonna I'm gonna live where people who are in slums live. He went there. They were going out one day for margins. Some of the people who lived in the slums with him went out the door. A white man spit on them. Dude was about to haul off and just just knock him off, right? King said, wait a minute. You're living every day in a place that has poor infrastructure. You ain't got no heat in the ground. You ain't got no running water. But you mad because somebody's spell. Right? The structural stuff is murdering you every day. Right? Think about it. Think about where to direct your animus, your hostility, your anger. Let it be more redemptive, restorative, and constructive. So King was saying there are bigger fish to fry. Let's deal with the underlying issue. That doesn't mean that blackface is not an issue. It's problematic. But how many white people have done blackface? A whole bunch more than want to acknowledge it. Is it problematic? Absolutely. Is it part of a ruinous racism? Absolutely. Is it part of racial hostility against black people? Absolutely. Is, is it part of anti-blackness? Absolutely. But if this governor is there now and talking about, I got to wrestle with this issue, we know he's he's part of white privilege, he's unconscious and is biased. He's still talking about slaves as indentured servants. I mean, the madness is there. Let's hold him to account. But imagine if this guy stays in office and is forced to deal with race for the rest of his term in a way he wouldn't be forced otherwise. I'm just saying there are more complicated responses there than get rid of him. Look at the attorney general. The attorney general in that state has admitted, look, I did the blackface too. Yeah, all of y'all need to come out the closet. But what's interesting, here's an attorney general who's more progressive. Cash bails, he's trying to deal with the way in which black people have been disproportionately targeted by a criminal justice system. So is it worth it for us to put him out of office and let the next white guy who doesn't have a blackface history come in and hurt millions more of black people, hundreds of thousands more of black people because of his policies, than the symbolic expression Of his racial
0: animus Alright so now Did y'all hear that? Now he said That And and there's some of it That I agree with he said Now as far as like Yelling your emotions And your anger Be restorative Redemptive Constructive I agree with all of that I'm you know I'm with him on that But the problem that I have is He admits On one hand That blackface is He admits that the governor is Of white privilege Unconscious bias He's done blackface But then he goes on to say, well, should we just remove him from office and get the next white guy in there that's going to have policies that um, affect us even worse? As far as criminal justice and things of that nature And that's another, wait, wait, before I get to my, my bigger point That's another issue I have Every time they talk about black problems They always refer to it as criminal justice Listen man, all black people aren't criminals So they didn't stop coming to us like Oh, we're going to do stuff for criminal justice uh, Most of the black people I know that have people that they know that went to jail They did exactly what they were supposed to They did what they did and they went to jail for it Most of the people, most of the black people that I know That have family members and stuff in jail The stuff that they did, they deserve to be in jail for That's just a fact Not saying all black people, but the ones that I know Now so I digress off of that, but this this ne- this notion that the guy in blackface is better than the guy that maybe doesn't wear blackface, but is going to do the exa- same exact things. How are you going to how how if we could, if, explain to me and, and another thing I don't like sometimes about the Breakfast Club is they never push back. How are we going to hold this dude accountable by letting him just keep his power in office as a governor of a state of Virginia that has a racist history in itself? Like you have to make me understand these things so we don't need to remove the guy for fear of getting a guy in there who maybe doesn't have blackface but it's going to do worse but we should keep the guy in there that is clearly has no respect for black history the the plight of the black american in uh, uh, the plight of africans in america such as calling us indenture service he he, he espouses all this to you and then he'll try to tell you look but yo guys let's not remove him from office what huh no, man, here's a third option that he didn't give you. How about we remove the guy from office and we don't elect somebody and we vet these politicians and we don't put somebody in office that has a racial, a racist history or unbi- a conscious or unconscious bias towards us as black people. How about that? Instead of doing the whole lesser of two evils. And he said that later on in his, um in, in the Breakfast Club speech, Charlemagne the God asked him, what do you think about black people who... Say that they're not going to vote unless they don't have a black agenda, and he says, "Well, then you're going to get four more years of Donald. You're going to get more of what you got." And I'm like, "Listen, dude, stop that. Stop trying to use fear to control black people. Stop trying to use the fear of Donald Trump to control black people. Black people have been voting. We've been voting. Like, I don't understand. We vote. We voted in presidential elections. that got Ronald Reagan elected. George W. Judge George H. W. Bush elected. Bill Clinton elected." George Bush his son elected Barack Obama elected and what has that ended up for us death under Barack Obama more black people got shot than ever under uh, extra extrajudicially under Bill Clinton it was mass incarceration under Ronald Reagan it was the drug war I mean dude stop It's like ahistorical to say some of the things that he's saying As if if black people don't vote That we're going to get something worse than if we did vote Listen black people, we've been voting in this country We've had president after president after president Turn a blind eye to us So can we stop with this idea that If we don't vote Our interests That somehow we're going to get a racist president As if we've never had a racist president before As if we've never had somebody pass laws before Like I said before on the last podcast We have a whole Congressional Black Caucus And under the Congressional Black Caucus The Super Predator Bill That Bill Clinton passed Was directly correlated To the uh, What am I trying to say the, the, the Congressional Black Caucus was protesting And when they stopped protesting They voted for that bill Now under the Congressional Black Caucus As well the Blue Lives Matter bill Got passed during the, presidential, uh, the President Obama uh, 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 Administration when we were getting killed the black lives matter movement came up and was like yo we need to stop getting killed and they said instead of giving a black lives matter bill or passing some legislation to help black people and what we were going through they passed a law to make it a a hate crime to kill a cop as if it's not already a hate crime as if you're not already gonna get buried under the jail so all, all i'm saying is man when these dudes these 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 intellectual phd harvard princeton yale types Come around you And start talking Just because they went to Harvard Just because they went to Yale Just because they went to Princeton Just because they have a PhD Just because they can, they can espouse Words out of the dictionary And out of the, th- the, the, the 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 thesaurus I'm sorry Wow The thesaurus That maybe you That most of us can't understand Or maybe intimidate Doesn't make what they're, Everything that they're saying Right And that's why I'm here That's why I'm stepping into the arena Because I'm tired Of Of Of, of not everything Michael Eric does nice and does Because he does a lot of good for black people But I'm tired of the double talk I'm tired of coming to black people with this criminal justice stuff I'm tired of everybody when they come to black people Oh well you cannot vote and you get four more years of Donald Trump God damn it we need four more years of Donald Trump We need eight more years of Donald Trump Because under Donald Trump black people get focused When black people understand who our enemy is And what, what we're facing we're focused It's the Obamas It's the Bill Clintons It's those presidents That we get lax and we end up getting mass incarcerated Or mass killed And another thing People need to stop excoriating black people From learning from our past We voted in Bill Clinton We look back And we realize like Damn maybe that wasn't a good thing So we didn't vote in his wife What's wrong with that? What's wrong with us learning from our history? Nothing And black people There's nothing wrong with learning from your past And if you change your future behaviors Based off what you learned from your past Don't feel guilty for that So don't vote for these presidents Unless they're talking about something That could benefit you and your children Every other group does it. I don't hear Mexican, the Mexican community out here Caping for, for black people to get reparations But we damn sure be out there John Lewis and all them crying over the, the, the immigrant children And that's not, that's not Yeah man, no I say what I said Because you know what, black people we fight for everybody We use our political capital and our mascotting For everybody and we get nothing in return All we get is a bullet in the back And a jail cell and a hey man You're overqualified and that's over we need tangibles. From this point forward, we need to be thinking, if you're going to cast your ballot, there needs to be an initiative on that, on that ballot that's going to benefit your people, your mama, your grandmama, your husband, your wife, your black children. If it ain't on there, then sit your black asses at home. Watch the game. Smoke a joint. Smoke a blunt. Drink a drink. Read a book. Get some pussy. I don't know, but don't vote. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Veteran Minority Podcast. As always, you can, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and YouTube. Please like, share, subscribe. If you like what you're hearing here, if you think more people need to hear it, talk to your homies at work. Talk to your girls at work. And let them know what I'm doing over here. All right? Until next week, y'all. Peace.